Today's podcast is brought to you by Season 2 of the UCB Show, streaming exclusively on CISO, which is NBC's digital comedy platform. The UCB Show, presented by the founding four of Matt Besser, Amy Poehler, Ian Roberts, and Matt Walsh, is filmed in front of a live audience at the UCB Sunset Theater in Hollywood. Showcasing the best sketch comedy, stand-up, and characters you can find regularly in the UCB theaters in L.A. and New York City. To watch the UCB Show, go to CISO.com. If you sign up with promo code COMIC, you'll get two free months of CISO. That's right, two free months of unlimited ad-free comedy delivered to your favorite devices. It's only $3.99 per month after that. I'm a subscriber, and I like to call up new episodes of Saturday Night Live on Sunday mornings so I can zip through it without all of the ads. CISO also has a library of classic comedy from America and Great Britain, plus new original series including Bajillion Dollar Properties, Take My Wife, and Harmon Quest. If you've enjoyed my podcast interviews with Janine Garofalo, Lori Kilmartin, Cameron Esposito, Doug Stanhope, or Brian Posehn, then you can check out their newest stand-up specials immediately afterward on CISO. Go to SEESO.com to start your free trial and get exclusive access to the UCB show, plus much more in streaming comedy. Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Caitlin Barlow, Katie Colleton, Kate Friedman, Kate Lambert, Katie O'Brien, and Catherine Renee Thomas met in various Chicago improvisational theaters, and with a shared name and a dream between them, formed the Katie Dids. They've sold a sitcom to NBC and a feature film screenplay, but none of that might have been possible if their independent web series hadn't gone viral first with the right people at the right time. Teachers led them to a deal with TV Land, an executive producer in Allison Brie, and showrunners in Ian Roberts and Jay Martell. Teachers begins its second season on TV Land in January 2017, and the Katie Dids met up with me in Viacom's brand new Hollywood office complex to share their journey. So let's get to it! Okay, so I'm here with five-sixths of the Katie Dids. So last things first, if you could just let us know which five of the six are here. Sure. Go around the room. I'm Kate Lambert. I'm Katie Colleton. I'm Caitlin Barlow. I'm Katie O'Brien. I'm Catherine Renee Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> and we're the Katie. And we're the Katie. Um, do you? I, I know you're all you're all Kates or Katies, but do you also feel as though your comedy is like the mating call of a bush cricket? <laughs> The Katie did. The Katie did is the. I didn't want a mansplain. (laughs) I didn't want to get into mansplaining. But you did a good job. For those of you who don't know why you named (laughs) (laughs) yourself, let this man tell you. We're gonna ask Caitlin to leave the group after this (laughs) for not knowing a bush cricket. Yeah, that's why the group was designed, you know, as this mating call for bush crickets everywhere. And actually, that's our fan base, is uh, bush crickets. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Some of us have had bad cases of bush crickets in the past. I'm back! I'm back from the holidays! (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's the new year! It's the new me! 
Yeah, it's the second season of, of Teachers Ooh. on TV Land. Yes. But but let's backtrack. So you all found yourselves, I know you all performed together at I.O. in Chicago, mm-hmm. but when did you first officially find your fellow Katie soulmates? This is a Caitlin Barlow story. She has to tell it. Yeah, so um, we all met eight years ago, nine years ago, something like that. We were all in the Chicago improv scene. And I, I put the group together kind of as a joke um, because I kept meeting all these really funny women named Kate or Katie, which actually, like, if you think about it, isn't that weird because it's the Midwest and every white girl is named Katie. But it was, it did strike me as strange at the time. Um, so I just kind of as a joke, just like, like, hey, we all have the same name. Do you guys want to do a show together? And so we were like, sure, let's do it. And I pitched the show um, to IO. At the time, there was something called Radical Concept, mm-hmm. and I pitched like, oh, the Radical Concept is we all have the same name, and we were um, denied. Um, we were <laughs> rejected. Not rejected. radical. It wasn't, not ra- wasn't radical. It either, either it blew anyone else's mind. We were all <laughs> Yeah, just yeah. blew our minds. Um, but um, we, decided to do a, we decided to do a show anyway, and really from the start, we discovered that we had this really amazing chemistry. Um, and, you know, we all uh, have our own strengths as performers and our own ca- comedic sensibilities, but when we come together, we sort of create this seventh voice. Um, and it was really special. So The first show, yeah. was some of us met each other. We didn't all know each other before the first show, and the first show was so much fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, we call it magical. A little black box yeah. theater called The Playground. And okay. It's a co-op theater. Um, so improv teams take care of and run the theater, and we just did this weird little show on a weeknight, and shook hands and walked on stage and did a sketch about we all came together the moment we knew we talk about we all came together and for a while there was that nouveau ring commercial where they did the synchronized swimming and somehow we found ourselves all just naturally falling into this nouveau ring synchronized swimming um moment in the show and i think it was it was it was the fact that we all knew the the lyrics and everything (laughs) to the song yeah we should be together and then we started um it was like that was a one-off, and then it was like a month, a couple months later mm-hmm. that we got back together to do a couple more one-offs, and then that turned into a run at Studio B, um, and then that run was super fun, and, and Sharna mm-hmm. offered us a slot at I.O. Okay. Now, were you all at similar experience levels when you got together? For the most part. For the most part. I think for the most part, we were all kind of starting, like, our improv careers. Like, we were all starting out, and we were performing pretty regularly, independently, but yeah, I, I feel like we were all at the same Mm-hmm. Yeah, beginning stages. I remember I was still in classes because I remember mm-hmm. I was in class and had a show, the Katie did show at I.O. It was midnight at, on Fridays, but still, and everyone was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Big deal. <laughs> it was a very big deal. Big deal. To get a midnight <laughs> Midnight show. on Friday at I.O. Yeah. yeah. What were some past shows that had that slot? Um, like what made it? What made that the plum? Well, I think just the fact that it was a show, that it was a run at I.O., I think it was less, less like the coveted midnight show. <laughs> I think it was more just having a run of shows at IO and not being a Herald team that was mm-hmm. cast through the theater. Because I think a lot of the teams that did have runs there were um, were like the really cool, popular teams, um, and like Cook County Social Club, and they're amazing. Um, and they've the guys in that group have been going on to do great things. They're at, all up here now. Um, and the Reckoning, same thing. A lot of the people from the Reckoning have gone on to do great things, like uh, Michael, Pat O'Brien, 
um, who went by Pat O'Brien in Chicago, worked for SNL. And so so I think just the idea of having your own run as an independent group at I.O. was very, like, exciting. And I think, too, you know, when you're going as an actor anywhere, there's so much rejection and you're constantly mm-hmm. told no, 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 that it can start to wear on you after a while. And to have someone, like, throw us a bone in some way mm-hmm. and to have such a, a big opportunity, especially at such an established theater, was just so exciting because it, it sort of felt like, you know, like someone believed in us, yeah. which was really exciting. And not having to pay <laughs> to do a show was really exciting, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how, how does this match up with what... <clears throat> each of you individually expected when you moved to Chicago because most of you were were transplants to Chicago, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's kind of crazy how it worked out because I think, you know, when you moved to Chicago, I think all of our collective dreams as individuals was to do Second City, I think, Mm -hmm. or at least perform regularly-ish. Some of us had different goals, but... Right, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, like in Chicago, I think, you know, Second City is kind of seen as like the place to perform and then you hopefully go on to SNL or do other, you know, performance opportunities from there. And I think what was really special about us and I think something that, you know, we really love about our story is some of us performed with Second City and and did really, really well. And then others of us auditioned, (laughs) myself auditioned and you don't get cast. And so I think this group was a really beautiful result of something that we created because other opportunities weren't coming our way. And so we kind of came together and decided Mm -hmm. to do our own thing instead of, um, you know, kind of buying into, like, the, like, formulaic route in Chicago, which is, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think Steve Martin had a great quote. I I believe it's in his book that, you know, you have to um, get to a point where people can't ignore you. And I think we were trying to do that, you know, like if we weren't getting caught, uh, like uh, cast in things, we wanted to get to a point where we were putting ourselves out there um, and being heard in the way that we wanted to be mm-hmm. and roles that we wanted to create for ourselves and doing the kind of comedy that played to all of our strengths and that we liked the most. So that's why, you know, we started doing videos and things like that too, was to sort of put ourselves out there if we weren't getting put on put out there by somebody else we decided to make it happen ourselves right because it's, it seems as though you know when people decide they want a career in comedy they move to new york and they have a certain idea of what they want they move to la and they have a certain yeah. idea in chicago even more so because it's not the industry center such as new york or hollywood right if you're going to chicago for comedy you usually have Second City. Second yeah. City or I.O. Or you're like, yeah. I want to study with Sharna. I want to get on a yeah. touring company. Yeah, that's it. I think that's the improviser pipe dream. It's like mm-hmm. you go and you get a Second City touring company, and then you get Second City main stage, and then you get cast on SNL, and that's what you do. And I think a lot of people have that dream, and there's only so many spots available both on Second City Torco and Main Stage and SNL. And um, I think, I know I personally went with that idea that that was it and, um, you know, came to a point where I realized those weren't things that were suited to my strengths anyway. And so what do you do from there? And luckily by the time I was able to let go of that and be okay with that not being where I was going to end up, luckily we had been already performing together for four or five years by that point. So I was very lucky to go, I'm finally ready to let go of these things. Oh, but also, I've been nurturing this for five years. <laughs> yeah. Chicago is an amazing, I still tell anybody 
like, you know, anybody who's interested in doing comedy to start there. It's an mm-hmm. unbelievable place to get really, really good and find a community. And Second City is an amazing place still to be a part of and, and get discovered. I think now it's an interesting time because there's so many outlets. You know, anybody can create their own thing mm-hmm. and put it online. And um, we were really lucky to come up in a time where that was just kind of starting. Yeah. Well, that's why I was interested to talk to you because mm-hmm. when you when you initially started in Chicago, the options were probably seemed limited mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely, none of you <clears throat> thought of TV Land as oh, no. where you were going to end yeah. up. No, <laughs> no, no. no. no I mean, there was there was a period in Chicago where I just because thought, that like, wasn't a thing, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like improv was the goal. Like it wasn't any bigger than yeah. that. It was just yeah. to do improv. That it was like. I moved to Chicago to do theater, technically, and then found Second City and took a while to get into it because I was always like, that's awesome, but I could never do that. Right. And then finally had the courage to try the classes. But then, yeah, the goal was always like, well, I want to do as much improv as I can. And then it's like, oh, I love writing sketch. Let's do as much sketch as I can. And it was kind of, yeah, those those goals weren't there because I didn't know the possibility existed. Yeah, I think for me, I, I always wanted to do like TVs or movies, um, but uh, TV or movies. But the thing is, is that when you're there, you're sort of just focused on the next step so much. So it's not so much like end game. It's like, okay, um, you know, I'm auditioning for this. I want to get into Second City Conservatory, and then I, you know, I want to do like a touring company or a boat. So it's it's not so much, you know, just where where I'm ultimately going to be. I think it's also um, it's hard. It it can be difficult to be a quirky lady, um, you know, because, like, when I was in college... Well, if you say it like that, then right, you are Right, a right. Well, I've been, <laughs> told, I've been told that for a long time, you know. Well, duh. But, uh, I, uh, but, like, in college, I was told, like, your type is weird. Mm-hmm. We don't know what to do with you. We love you, but we don't know what to do with you, and you won't work till you're 30. So telling that to a 20-year-old, you're like, cool. Thank what? you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's so exciting. What do I do until I grow into my type? And, and thirty feels so far uh, away. Yeah, and it it turns out they were true. So I should have just you know. <laughs> but but that also means okay. So I'm maybe not going to take the route that is more traditional. I'm not because I think I thought I'd move to New York and pound the pavement and audition and be a waitress and then give up, you know, like that was the idea of where I thought I was going to go in, in college. And I think that that was bred into our theater department. And then when I left, I started taking second city classes. I was in Detroit um, and they had a theater in Detroit for a long time. And so um, I found that and I realized like, this is where I can fit in and this is where I belong. And so I think that's another part of, of going to Chicago and doing it the route that we all ended up doing is because were not the your your ingenues, you know. We're just not. <laughs> yeah, we're all. Who, how, how did Nina Metz describe us? It was something like really, really demented people in cardigans. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I always, I, I, I always say that we're we'll say the most messed up things you ever heard, but we'll just say it while wearing a cardigan. Yeah. Um, well, that's where it's we looked in the yeah. Yes, it yeah. suits us really well that that um, like story, <laughs> that area to explore because we kind of look like teachers. We have mm-hmm. very kind of naive and innocent appearances, but mm-hmm. our comedy can be very dark. Right, you're like a, a second grade teacher who the kids think is prim and proper, but then mm-hmm. if yeah. if they yeah. kept call you at happy hour, they'd be like, yeah. oh, okay. right, they'd be yeah. traumatized for life. Right. Yeah. yeah, and I like sound like a Disney character. So right. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Speaking of which, the second season opens with a very Disney <laughs> musical. Yes. 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 That um, was very exciting. Yeah, yeah, we wanted to do something fun that was very, like, back to school. And the second season ends with a full musical episode. And so it was kind oh, of wow. a fun way to yeah. bookend, bookend it. it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the first episode opens with a really fun musical number about going back to school. And you see what the teachers have been doing over the summer. And, um, and then, yeah, the season will close out with a pretty epic musical episode that's almost all musical. Yeah. yeah. And no explanation for it, which is the best kind of, yeah. That's yeah. kind of the coolest part of having your own show is that, you know, we can kind of do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. There are there's some of us that are big musical fans or, you know, mm-hmm. like love wanna different musicals. Yeah, want to be a musical. Yeah, yeah, be a musical. No one's going to ca- I was cast as like peasant number three 15 times, you know. But now that we have our own show, it's like I can write myself a yeah. bigger role. Like it's so exciting. We, I feel like we've done that a lot. Of like, what do people want to do? Do they want to do physical comedy? Do they want to right. do yeah. um, what areas do we want to explore? Like in terms of like social political stuff, we want to say it's it's exciting. And you're also on trend back. because there's Crazy Ex Girlfriend yeah. and yeah. Yeah. La La Land at the yeah. movies. Is- the big oh my god yeah. critical the, yeah. Or, yeah, that, that is the only time we will ever be described as on trend and so I'm just going to yeah, appreciate that we'll take it <laughs> well so so what was the very first teacher's video like oh it was um like a web series the web series yeah the oh, first, the first one yeah. you did yeah. well, we shot all of them in three days all together yeah so I, I don't know if you meant um so it was like we wrote for six months. And um, one of our executive producers now, Matt Miller's apartment, um, mm-hmm. like once or twice a week. And we met. And, and when I say we, that we wrote it, I mean we just discussed our characters a ton. Like we okay. just talked about the world, talked about who our characters were, what were they, what type of people are they, what would they do in these different scenarios. Um, and then finally had kind of like 24 episodes written. Actually, I don't even know if all 24 were written. That's probably incorrect. It's Some probably of them were improvised. Some of them were improvised. So, and then had three days of shooting. Three, right? And, yeah, it was um, three, like 12-hour days, and yeah, we came and, out with 24. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how it kind of started was um, we were doing these short videos in Chicago that were just like comedy videos that, as the Katie did, so, you right. know, that we didn't have characters, it was just kind of ourselves, and... Promotional. Yeah, for our shows at I.O. Yeah, actually, the first three we did were, were all promo for our, our big midnight I.O. Right. Oh, those are still, <laughs> you still have those up. Yeah. 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 Still up. After that, it just turned to just promoting the group in general, not mm-hmm. specific shows, okay. just to get our comedy out there. Yeah, and um, our executive, an executive producer on the show, Matt Miller, who's a director in, um, in Chicago and out here in L.A., but he said, he said to us, like, what would you think about doing a web series about teaching? And then that's when we created these characters and then called and said, wrote them. And um, Cap Gun Collective, um, which is an amazing um, production company in Chicago, offered to help us film it. And we raised money and they matched that. And their executive producer oh, on the show they, as like, well. They way overmatched it. Yeah. So they gave us a lot of resources that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And, you know, part of that was, was making the kind of decision, the decision that. Um, you know, if it went further than just the web series, that they could be involved in there. They're still executive producers on the show, and it wouldn't have looked oh my gosh nearly as beautiful as it yeah. did without well, them. Yeah, it just helped so much. I think for this going to sound so like you know, with the world of the show, but it really did. Like yeah. it made it look beautiful and real, and like the whole thing is is that it, it grounded the show in such a way because, and it also took people back, which I think is what people liked about the web series too. Like everyone has such crystal clear memories of elementary school. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like such a big part of everyone's life that um, I think it kind of just took people back too. How did you raise the money? 
We did a Kickstarter. Okay. Mm-hmm. We only, I mean, I think we set it pretty low, it like three thousand dollars, and that was friends a, and family. Yeah, and that was before we even had gotten together with Capcom. I think we started the Kickstarter, and then Capcom came along, and so all that money went to Capcom to put towards their resources. Um, but then they, again, they matched it. And, and what some of them have mentioned in the past is that a lot of times in Chicago, you know, the, the crew members and artistic types in Chicago who make film and TV will kind of get together and rally behind some project every year. And I think that ours kind of was that project. And so a lot of the, like, we had this great um, DP, Daryl Miller, and we had um, just awesome, awesome producers from Capcom and all of their contacts work on the show and I think they just really got a kick out of it and because we had built for ourselves a reputation in the improv community and then also had some successful viral videos, which now I think if you look at the numbers that people would be like, that's not viral, you know, (laughs) but at the time, and I think that they saw what we could produce, it was almost like our audition tape to work with Capcom and, and it Doing, putting all that work into these videos where our friends were shooting on, you know, lower quality cameras or cell phones, you know, then it, it, it was them saying, okay, they're good, like, let's take them a step a step up. Well, speaking of at the time, what what was already out there that existed that you could look at as something that set the bar for you to try to match or... There wasn't, there wasn't a ton, because I, I remember yeah. doing research, like, you yeah. didn't know, things that I think now is just known if you're trying to be a content creator was like I remember buying a book at Barnes and Noble and like reading it about like you want to keep it short and you want to and then it was like marketplace research says releasing Tuesday at 10 a.m. is the place where people are on Facebook the most like I remember reading all of that and being like oh this is new it was new information to me like that you want to keep your jokes like the audience's attention isn't more than Mm -hmm. a minute or I think at that point it was probably Two minutes. Two, now right. it's like ten yeah, seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I remember that wasn't all like common knowledge. Yeah. Like I remember reading that and being like, "Oh, yeah." So and I, and like I, I did the same thing. Like asked around mm-hmm. for people who were doing it. Like when do you mm-hmm. find like the best time is to release? And they said the same thing Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, it was just I always so that, remember Tuesday ten a.m. Yeah, it was like I don't that's know it. Why. I always remember. But that. but it makes sense <laughs> when you think about it because Monday everybody's catching up on stuff, right? <laughs> Tuesday is when people are, are actually okay, and then they can share uh, like okay to like look at stuff on, online, and then they share it the rest of the week. Yeah. And it's like the weekends is, you know, if you do something on Thursday or Friday, I don't know if any of this applies anymore. But, you no, know, but, yeah. but, no, but this is fascinating. But like, then if what? people are watching at work, they don't want to get busted. Right. Yeah. So right, it's yeah. like they'll two two minutes and 30 seconds, I feel like, is the longest you can yeah. go. Oh, yeah. And, and you and you should have a joke within the first, you know, five or ten seconds and make sure that people understand what is happening in it. Otherwise, it's like they're like, I don't. You know, I do it myself. I'm like, I don't care about this. Yeah. What is this? But I think we were lucky that we hit it right before kind of everything. Because now there's so much, which is great. Everyone but it's also really series. hard. It's really yes. hard to get noticed yes. now because there's so many web series. We hit it kind of right before that explosion. What, what year? 2012. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like it was a good, it was really great timing. Yeah. Like, you know, not necessarily even planned. Yeah. At the time, I don't remember. You know, going off memory, I don't remember watching any other web series and thinking, like, I just didn't know of any other. And the only thing that I think we kind of followed a similar trajectory that I remember clocking was we were always a year and a half behind Broad City. Mm-hmm. And so I remember when our web series came out, I remember hearing about Broad City every step of the way yeah. through our process. Like, when we sold our show, I think we had sold a year behind Broad City. Because mm-hmm. um, everybody had always said, like, Broad City serves a web series – that was always something that I remember clocking, but I don't remember watching Broad City 
or having access, like I just don't remember thinking, oh, I know I can look at these web series to get right. an idea. So we kind of mm-hmm. just did it ourselves. Guys straight up didn't even know what a web series was. <laughs> Matt, Matt was like, do you guys want to make a web series? I was like, sure. What's a web series? <laughs> yeah. So then once you made it, how did you go about making sure people enough saw people it. saw it? Yeah. We kind of we had a marketing plan of like, we really yeah. attacked the teacher demographic of blogs and and you know, online press. And we had had a a couple of videos that had gone pre-viral in the past, so we had contacts with, like, we, you know, MTV blogs or, Mm -hmm. like, Glamour blog. And so, like, we used a lot of our prior contacts um, and sent it out to them. Um, And then any press contacts we had, we sent it out to them. So we really, we really hustled. It didn't happen on accident. Yeah, we would always do, like, a press release. Yeah, (laughs) and the thing is, is that the first video that really took off was the first one we released, which was... uh, Seal's uh, Seal's face, mm-hmm. and someone put it on Reddit, and it, uh, and that's yeah. that's what happened with that one. It kind of like exploded on this like Reddit. Um, I'm going to sound so old. Thread is that what you said? Yeah, girl. Uh, thank you so much. Um, but but anyway, it kind of, you know that's what happened with that one. And then after that, people like subscribed to it online, or they were waiting for the next one, and so it kind of snowballed from there. But we were also very obnoxious. We oh would, we, yeah, would we, we would go. We, we all were on Twitter, on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I was on LinkedIn. Oh, like private messages. <laughs> I think so low. I can't remember. <laughs> At one point, Twitter like was like, "You need to take a break for three days." Like you know, they like kick you off where it's like too much. Bye bye. Um, right. There was like a limit to how yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what that was with teachers or just myself. No, that was teachers. Uh, we, got, we got kicked <laughs> off a lot. <laughs> and so, but it was you know, and then anytime we'd read like an article online about teaching, we would be like, "Hey." Check out this cool video. And then we put a link, and I'm sure people were like, who are these people? But they started watching, and, you know, and then it kind of took off. Yeah, we had, like, a master spreadsheet of all these, like, we would just look for any type of, like, press email we could find or, like, contact Contact. at magazines or newspapers and just, like, hound All 24. They got all 24. Like, there'd be a new email and a new little press blurb for all 24. It didn't happen right away. I think it took about a couple, three or four months before, like, the series started to catch on. Mm -hmm. And people started to watch. Yeah, and we were actually, uh, we were noticed by The Onion, I'd say maybe three weeks into the, sh- or three or four weeks in, maybe, uh, to the Webster's being released. The AV Club? Um, the Onion. No, it's Spud? No, it was actually just The Onion, right? It was right? The Onion, yeah. And they, because they, you know, they produce these con- video content, and they mm-hmm. had started to do that, and they noticed us, and got a hold of us and um, wanted to release some of the episodes we had not released yet through their website. Okay. So we actually arranged to do that, and I think they released maybe three, three mm-hmm. um, through their website, and um, it was released under this kind of, you know, fakey, uh, this, like, ABC Monday Nights kind of, but, like, like uh, sitcom-y kind of mm-hmm. feeling, but from The Onion. So, okay. like, this this Monday night on The Onions, like, Family Channel, <laughs> Teachers, and then they play it. And um, that was great, but I think it also, our, again, our humor, I don't think, really was in line with the humor of, like, the people that were reading Onion articles or watching. We were not a news parody. Mm-hmm. So I think there were some responses like, is this? Like, what are you doing, <laughs> Onion? Um, but, you know. We were so excited at the time because they, they bought the episode. Yeah, so yeah. I don't, it was a very, very small amount. But I remember it was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> was like, well, was like I, like, cried when I found out. I was so excited. Yeah. 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 Was it was it more important, the money, or just the 
being associated with a brand like The Onion. The Just the association. Because mm-hmm. when we did the web series, like, we never had any goals. Or, like, it was never like we were like, let's do this to then get a, a television show. show or associated with The Onion or... Like, we just did it for fun, and then when The Onion was interested, it was, like, our first, like, validation of, like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, like, yeah. this is so exciting to be associated with this comedy powerhouse. So, yeah, the money was never... It, it's yeah, it was more validation. Respect. It's the yeah. respect uh-huh. that, like, we're a business or a brand you want to... Uh-huh. It was yeah. more It was more that, like, yeah, validation. And it was similar to kind of what I had said before when we got the run at I.O., you know? It was like, oh, my God, yeah. like, this amazing thing that we all love and read uh, respects us and likes our comedy enough to put their name on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was super exciting. At what point did you hear from Allison Brie? So that was kind of like a weird, not a weird roundabout way, but um, we, after The Onion, um, Kate Friedman was represented with uh, William Morris at the time and had sent our videos um, I think to William Morris and they had watched them and contacted us and said, would you be interested in packaging this as a show to sell? And we were like, oh my gosh, yes. And so they had talked with us about pairing us up with executive producers that they thought would be a good fit. And Allison's name came up and we were huge fans of community and huge fans of hers. And so we met with her and felt like she was like the seventh Katie did. And uh, we were lucky enough that she was interested to come on board. So WME, William Morris, okay. and Deborah so put that together. Because yeah. 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 you had mentioned before, like, finding yourself tracking Broad City. It felt like they really stalked Annie Poehler. Yeah. yeah. Whereas you were just kind yeah. of matchmaking. Yes. We yeah. did not stalk We did stalk her. <laughs> no, we didn't. We did privately, but not publicly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, to, to continue yeah. that parallel, yeah. Broad City initially was going to go with FX, and then mm-hmm. they, made, they made a pile, and then FX passed, and then they mm-hmm. eventually ended up at Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. Did you have a roundabout way of getting to TV land, or no. was it more straightforward? It was very it was very straightforward. Actually, it's kind of a cool story. So, very shortly after we um, signed with WME to have them packaged the show, TV land um, called them specifically and asked, like, hey, do you by chance have any um, female writer-performer workplace comedies that you're trying to sell? And <laughs> like younger, as you. I got something yeah. for you. And our, our agent at the time, Alec Bodnick, was like, why, yes, I do. <laughs> and um, showed, I think Brad Gardner was the first one to watch the web series, showed yeah, him yeah. the web series, and he loved it and was like, oh, my God, we want to make a pilot, and there was no, we didn't have to do, like, the sweaty palm pitch thing. It was just, they oh. liked the luxury so much. They, they so we took to a very direct, versus the indirect, <laughs> ours was, like, as direct as you can kind of possibly get it. It's insane. Yeah. We are very aware how, like, lucky. Lucky unusual. Are. Like, yeah. that, it yeah. was crazy. It was a dream. Like, mm-hmm. we had no idea, because we were so nervous to pitch. We didn't, you know, know what to expect with it. And to just get an offer for a pilot deal. Um, I think we even got the offer before we met with them. Yeah, then we did. did. We got yeah. the offer, and then we met with them. And right. Um, and at that just point, just a dream come true. At that point, you, both you two were yeah. living here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so two two girls were out here, and then the rest of us were still living in Chicago. Shortly thereafter, Kate Friedman moved out here, and so yeah, there's this interesting dynamic of kind of like the LA team and the Chicago team, and trying to communicate. And they were taking meetings, and we tried to get on phone calls and Skype inter- uh, interviews and meetings, and it was um, it was definitely challenging, but. Um, you know, we had built up this trust within the group where 
you know, we just really wanted to succeed and we wanted the show to succeed. And so, you know, I was like, yes, please go take meetings with these people while I freeze my butt off in Chicago. Actually, our first meeting with T-Man, I don't know that you want this story, but I figured you might want it. Is I had, it was only O'Brien and I in town and they wanted tickets to dinner and I had food poisoning. I got food poisoning the night before. I was throwing up and doing other things all day. And just to show you how desperate we were, it was basically a thing where, like, we can't cancel. Get it together. Yeah, I, it like O'Brien. I was like, I don't care if you're sick. We're going to this dinner. It's the first day of the rest of our lives. You're going to get out of bed. And Katie was like, I'm really ill. So she, she didn't eat anything. We went to this thing, and they kept going, do you want a drink? Do you want we went to a Mexican restaurant? Oh. And I was like, and I was sweating profusely. I remember I had, like, a Madewell dress on that I just bought and was sweating profusely the whole time. And they just kept going, why aren't you eating? Eating anything, and I was, and so I kept trying to be like, oh, you know, I'll just have a bite. And you can't, yeah, because you can't say you new boxes. I have explosive. Diarrhea. I have explosive. Yeah. Diarrhea. Yeah. I felt like Colleton's like abusive, like handler. <laughs> I was like, she's fine, she's fine. Like I was like, could not, like it was just so it felt stupid like, in retrospect. It felt like Kristen Wiig and bridesmaid, you know, when she's like, like, <laughs> like she's yeah. Still, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything that was our first. In, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was our first meeting with TV Land, but it was great. I mean, yeah, yeah. The exciting thing about TV Land, you know, I think when we started realizing that. That maybe selling the show was a possibility. Mm-hmm. I think we all thought that we could stay involved with the show in some capacity, but it would never be as involved as we currently are. Mm-hmm. I think that we thought, hey, maybe we'll sort of be, you know, uh, producers, or maybe we'll be lucky enough to write for it. Mm-hmm. We certainly never thought we'd get to keep our parts. Right. Um, and, and the fact is, is that, and one of the reasons why we're so lucky to be here is that they really got, like, what we were trying to do, mm-hmm. and, and they... Trust us and give us and and are and are so like uh, great with being like do do what you guys want you know they never tried to change the show um, even from the web series they loved the characters um, and and then we just had to do a little bit of tweaking with the characters to make them more defined um, to go to a half hour um, so we just had to make them a little sharper and things like that but they've been so great in giving us the reins and and letting us you know stay on in all these capacities I mean we're creators writers actors and producers on the show. Yeah. So it's just so yeah. exciting. We couldn't have found a better home with mm-hmm. them. They've creatively been an amazing partner. Yeah. <laughs> Say that as to Leanne Walker. We love them. We love them. Uh, do you feel like... Anyway, she's gone. Team Land is the worst. <laughs> no, they're the best. They really, we, we've said that in every interview, and it's always 100% true. Well, what do you say uh, in every interview about uh, the fellows at Those Who Can't? <laughs> oh, they're... They're great. Yeah, they're great. Do you feel I like mean, you have any sort of like formal or informal competition as like no. rival you know, comedy we, groups doing teacher shows? No, it's, at first it's we actually, freaked. At first we were like, this is coming out literally the same month, you know, that ours is, and oh my God, and they came from a web series uh-huh. or, or, and a comedy group, and oh my right. God. But, but it's great because they're all men and they have a really similar background as ours, and you know, the shows are so different. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's high school, and so. I think it's kind of been cool and exciting to, yeah. to you know, like support them and watch them and have another teaching show yeah. on the air has been really great because it is so different. It's it the same with like a workplace comedy, you yeah. know, like uh, I don't ever think of like Parks and Recreation and The Office in the same, competing. like, you know, yeah. are competing. I just think of them as like two individual shows. Yeah, I think also we're, you know, something, we're not just doing a show about teaching. We, a lot of what we do is cover topics about young women and being in your 20s and your 30s and talking about issues that maybe people don't always talk about. And so I think the female point of view is very different from theirs. And we can cover things that um, 
you know, our take on UTIs is going to be different than their take mm-hmm. on UTIs. So, <laughs> but we'll know. both do UTI episodes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> now that you have two seasons in the can, how does this change what your individual or, or group goals are? Well, we all hate each other now. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I think it's interesting because I think, you know, the second season is really exciting and great. And I felt like the first season, we, the first season was wonderful. And season two really feels like we've settled into the show and mm-hmm. explored some areas that we probably never thought we'd explore before. And so I think, you know, season two is 20 episodes. And so I think after these 20 episodes, you know, I think we always have our own individual career goals. But I think the really great thing is, you know, we love doing this together and we want to keep this brand and business going for as many seasons as we can. We actually, on our break between season one and two, um, sold a pilot to NBC as the Katie did. It didn't move forward, but we sold it. And then um, there was also a feature that didn't move forward, but we sold and wrote it for um, Scott Stuber and uh, Bluegrass Films and Universal um, for the Katie Dids. And so it's like, I think what's exciting is now we've kind of established our brand. Mm -hmm. So the Katie Dids, we hope, you know, we hope Teachers continues for a very long time. The brand continues, but then it's also a platform for all of us to kind of go off then. I feel like now that we've kind of set the ground of you can read a feature, you can read a pilot that's different than teachers that wouldn't have starred us. It would have just been us writing it. Um, And then teachers is like we've kind of done the groundwork, and now we can hopefully move forward and do teachers forever. But (laughs) But also. Yeah, like we've been so – we, we're so hands-on. Like, we are absolutely involved in production, uh, and, you know, we're in the editing bay, and, you know, we're uh, we writing our, our hands around everything with writing and acting in it. So I think that, like, this experience has given us all experience. It's given us so many different yeah. skills. Like, I feel like if I was thrown into some random writer's room, I would yeah. know what to do. If someone mm-hmm. was like, do you want to produce something I would know what to do. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're even involved in, like, the budget. Like, we know roughly what the budget is, so it's it's been really cool. What, what you can do. What you can, can do on that yeah. budget. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and, yeah. I think, I think also, you know, we all have our, we have our group goals, and we all have individual goals, and that's always how it's been, even since we very first started improvising together, because there were times when, uh, like, Kate Lambert was on Torco for Second City, and Kate Freeman were on Torco for Second City, and so sometimes we did shows with just four of us, or five of us, or any kind of, you know, mixture of the group, or, like, um, you know, if someone else was working on a show, or or what have you, we, we kind of just trusted that that group could continue to work for the group, and it was never a thing of, like, jealousy for the people that were maybe getting opportunities doing something else, um, and there was always trust for the group that was still performing by those people that were doing outside opportunities. And I think that we're really lucky because we're incredibly supportive of each other's outside endeavors as well. Where I don't, I think we're all so different. Also, that we're not really competing necessarily yeah. for the same parts. We're all women in comedy, and yeah, we could all go out for certain roles. But I think we're all so different that mm-hmm. it's it's not like that. And even if it was. I think we've been really good about having that attitude of what's good, you know, what's good for one person is going to be good for the group. You know, the tide rises and the boat goes up too and all that good stuff. So <laughs> The tide I, rises and the boat um, goes up? That's the phrase. You know, goose, that's the phrase? You know, the goose and the ganders, all that stuff. Yeah, you know. So, also, we've so, been this season yeah. working, like, legitimately seven days a week. Yeah. This whole, yeah. like, the last, like, nine months. So, yeah. Like, There's outside no goals <laughs> seem yeah. so foreign. I don't know what like, that this is. Season, because we're so hands-on, like Caitlin said, <laughs> 
Yeah. This season has been insane, the amount of workload, which yeah. is great. But um, we outside tried, goals yeah, are be, like 20 minute naps. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Or laundry. Right. <laughs> like giving a 10 minute. 10 minutes of your time to your significant other. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, time, time's up. Got to move on. <laughs> but the thing about Hollywood, you were mentioning, you know, having these other scripts and, and deals that didn't ultimately go through. But in Hollywood, it seems as though that still counts. Yeah, oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's, it was yeah. the like look at you. Oh, you, oh, yeah. you we, did a script and it got... Yeah. yeah. It, the check's cleared right. and it counts yeah, exactly. in terms oh, totally. of like Hollywood cred. Totally. Well, yeah, we and we sold that to NBC. We screamed so loud. I think a lot of us lost our voice the next day. We, we It was our first actual pitch to NBC because yeah. we hadn't pitched teachers. Mm-hmm. And so we created this pilot with a wonderful um, man, Jack Burdett, um, and it was he had helped guide us into kind of the pitch and how to do it, what to do. Rock? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kimmy Schmidt. He yeah, is amazing. amazing. He's great. And he kind of guided us in the pitch process, and we went into our first pitch on NBC, and I remember we were all so nervous, and we pitched it, and we left. And I remember, like, in the car ride home going, well, you know, that was fun. Like, right. like that was a good experience. <laughs> I think um, it was around your birthday, and there was a leftover birthday cake in your yes. fridge, and we went back to her apartment, Katie Carlton's apartment, <laughs> and, ate and my just all <laughs> depressed. We ate it like we had just been broken up. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. We'd all and collectively been broken up. Got but. the call, like, 30 minutes later, they wanted to buy it. It was so, I mean, we, like, screamed, we yeah. freaked out. Yeah. And then we wrote it with them, and it was a great um, experience working mm-hmm. with NBC and getting working with another network and getting different network notes than you know we are our only experience has been TV Land and Brad Gardner, um, so it was it was great and now we have that connection and um, yeah and kind of the same thing with the feature it was the same thing of it's getting the kids name out there people hearing our voice mm-hmm. and getting different you know opportunities to work with different people yeah so how does this feel not just specifically sitting at a conference table <laughs> with me, but how does this feel to be sitting in Hollywood about to premiere the second season of your TV show compared with what you thought was going to happen when you when you first got all the Katie's together. Oh, I mean, I still, I it's been years now. I'm still pinching myself. Like, I was, you know, I was a fourth grade teacher in Chicago. I lived in this really gross studio apartment. I, like, I never, I literally never, ever thought this would happen. So I know it's been years later, and there's sometimes that I forget how amazing this is, but I still can't believe this is my life. It's very surreal. surreal. Yeah, yeah, it's it is it's surreal. I feel like is the best yeah. word for it because I think if anybody had asked me eight years ago, like what your dream would be, like I don't even think I would have thought of this. Like I thought this was like impossible. Like it's right. so surreal to have a network that literally, you know, has said like, do what you love to do, and we want it, and it's. Yeah, it's great with your best friends. Yeah, that's definitely an amazing part of it. And um, I was saying to my husband over the over the break that um, I, I had this just very emotional moment of just going like, I'm so lucky to have these women in my life. <laughs> like just, but you know, you don't have the opportunity when you're working so hard for nine months. And mm-hmm. I think it part of the surreal feeling we're having right now is the show comes out in a week and a half, and we've been just working on that for nine months and. We haven't had a break, and so suddenly it's like, oh, other people will see this now, and that's very mm-hmm. surreal. But um, I'm, it's, it was nice to take a moment to step away and go, oh, wow, you know, what we have is really special, and I'm so grateful for all the opportunities, and I'm so grateful to have such a supportive group of, of women in my life. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Great. and then also to have all these incredibly talented people um, in production and the crew working on the show and, and making it a reality is just 
getting there every day and seeing how many people are working to make this this thing run is just is so incredible and just so exciting but also like really like humbling you know it's just it's just too too cool so obviously the landscape is different now than it was eight years ago but if a 20 year old quirky quirky girl or or a 10 year old who's Uh just interested in show business and comedy asks you for advice what's the first thing you would tell Create your own work. Yeah. I second that. Like, and, mm-hmm. and the other thing I look back on and think, like, oh, why did I do that for so many years is for so many years, like, I tried to fit into a box that, like, I thought people wanted or, like, I thought this was the right way to go down. And I feel like now I'm at the point in my life where it's like, nah, fuck it. Like, this is me. Like, this is what it is. This is what I do. Like, either you like it or you don't. And I feel like I would tell people, like, just be true. It sounds so stupid, but yeah. create your own stuff and just be true to who you are. Like, you know, I don't think it's helpful to to say, like, I'm going to be the next Kristen Wiig and follow all of right. those things because you're not. Like, you're your own person. And I think you wind up sometimes on a path that you don't expect and to just go with it. I always like to say, um, find your people and find your voice. Because it's like, I feel like finding your people is also just as important. It's like finding the people that will make you, because I learned so much from these ladies. Like when I was doing the Katie Dids, I did not know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> and like, I was like so insecure with my improv and so insecure about my future. But it was like, you see these people that they're all so smart and they're all so talented and they're all so hardworking and they make me work harder and have bigger goals. And, and suddenly I, my voice felt more inspired. And then also find your voice. Figure out what, you know, I did a shit ton of bad shows in Chicago just trying to figure out what am I good at? What do I want to say? What makes me laugh? What, it doesn't matter. I did a lot of shows that no one came and saw, but I was so proud of because it's like this is, this is me figuring out what I want to say and what I find funny. Um, And that's just as important as a show that's sold out, you know, that maybe isn't that great or isn't as exciting. One, so, of, one of the best pieces of advice I got actually was from Norm Holly, who's mm-hmm. a teacher at Second City, and he said to be flexible, which I think is so true. Like, you know, if you have, if you're very rigid and this is what's going to happen for me, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, like, you're going to get disappointed. But if you kind of let things happen and you go with the flow, like, like they were saying, and, the, and, and you might find something very fulfilling for yourself that you would never have expected. And I think that's sort of happened with all of us. And also not to compare yourself to other people. Everyone has different trajectories. You know, we can tell someone to do exactly the same things we've done, and they could wind up somewhere totally different just to know that everyone has their own path and and things work out differently for everyone, you know. Thank you so much for uh, for finding each other and allowing me to find you. Thank you. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks first.